hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere. And it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns. And you can pick one up for three to 400 bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's henryusa.com. Free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched the blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, well, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that can be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. So like many of you, I have trouble sleeping. I have insomnia. No matter what I tried, it wouldn't work until I met Mike Lindell and I got my very own MyPillow. It has changed my life. What makes MyPillow so different is MyPillow's patented adjustable fill. In other words, you can adjust the patented fill to your exact individual needs so you get the support you need and want to help you get to sleep faster and stay asleep longer. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-919-6090. Remember, use the promo code Hannity. When you do, Mike Lindell will give you his best offer ever. Buy one pillow and get another one absolutely free. MyPillow, made in the USA, 10-year unconditional warranty, and it has a 60-day, no-questions-asked money-back guarantee. You have nothing to lose. So it's time for you to start getting the quality of sleep that you've been wanting and we need. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity. Take advantage of Mike's special two-for-one offer. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. What an impossible news day in terms of my ability to get everything in that we need to get in today. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number if you want to be a part of this program. So much happening today. Matt Lauer is out at NBC News. Whatever this is has got to be beyond significant and serious is my initial reaction to it i don't want to rush the uh, rush the judgment but certainly this happened so quickly 
And the word that they're using is is not sexual harassment, but sexual assault. There is a huge distinction between the two. Doesn't make, you know, one less than the other in terms of if you're a victim of any of this. But uh, anyway, the report now alleges Matt Lauer sexually assaulted a female NBC staffer during the network's coverage of the Sochi Olympics in 2014, according to sources now telling the New York Post. The allegations come as Lauer's firing was announced. Apparently, they didn't know this just up until airtime this morning over at NBC News. There have been rumors running rampant about something with Matt Lauer, especially after what happened to the liberal lion of the media, uh, Charlie Rose. And I it was getting extraordinarily loud yesterday from people telling me something big is is coming here. Uh, Andy Lack is the hack chairman of Fake News NBC, Conspiracy News NBC, sent a memo to staffers saying our highest priority is to create a workplace environment where everyone feels safe and protected and to ensure any actions that run counter to our core values are met with consequences, no matter who the offender. We're deeply saddened by this turn of events, but we'll face it together as a news organization and do it in as transparent manner as we can. Lauer was by far NBC News's biggest star, the highest paid host in broadcast news, reportedly earning about $28 million a year. And Savannah Guthrie and Hoda this morning went on there and they had to break this at the top of the Today Show today. Just moments ago, NBC News chairman Andy Lack sent the following note to our organization. Dear colleagues, on Monday night, we received a detailed complaint from a colleague about inappropriate sexual behavior in the workplace by Matt Lauer. It represented, after serious review, a clear violation of our company's standards. As a result, we have decided to terminate his employment. While it is the first complaint about his behavior in the over 20 years he has been at NBC News, we were also presented with reason to believe this may not have been an isolated incident. Our highest priority is to create a workplace environment where everyone feels safe and protected and to ensure that any actions that run counter to our core values are met with consequences no matter who the offender. We are deeply saddened by this turn of events, but we will face it together as a news organization and do it in as transparent a manner as we can. That is the statement from our chairman, Andy Lack, and we just learned this moments ago, just this morning. As I'm sure you can imagine, we are devastated, and we are still processing all of this. And I will tell you right now, we do not know more than what I just shared with you. But we will be covering this story as reporters, as journalists. I'm sure we will be learning more details in the hours and days to come. And we promise we will share that with you. Mm -hmm. And Hoda, I mean, you know, for the moment, all we can say is that we are heartbroken. I'm heartbroken for Matt. He is my dear, dear friend and my partner, and he is beloved by many, many people here. And I'm heartbroken for the brave colleague who came forward to tell her story and any other women who have their own stories to tell. Mm-hmm. And we are grappling with a dilemma that so many people have faced these past few weeks. How do you reconcile your love for someone with the revelation that they have behaved badly? Mm-hmm. And I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that this reckoning that so many organizations have been going through is important. It's long overdue. And it must result in workplaces where all women, all people mm-hmm. feel safe and respected. 
as painful as it is this moment in our culture and this change had to happen. Yeah, it did. This is a, a very tough morning for both of us. Um, I've known Matt for 15 years, and I've loved him as a friend and as a colleague. And again, just like you were saying, Savannah, it's hard to reconcile what we are hearing with the man who we know, who walks in this uh, building every single day. We were both woken up with the news kind of pre-dawn, and we're trying to process it and trying to make sense of it, and it'll take some time for that. Yeah, we're processing it with all of yeah. you at home. Mm -hmm. And we promise to be transparent and be straightforward and continue this important conversation. All right, that on the Today Show, obviously a, uh, a very difficult situation. If you just learn moments before the show that your your co-host has, has been fired here, again, it's, it's whatever this is, I can only tell you what the New York Post has given us a little bit more detail on it, and that is Lauer's alleged victim complained to HR yesterday and it happened so quickly, she didn't go to the media. She made a complaint to NBC's Human Resources. And apparently her evidence was so compelling that Matt was fired last night. And she apparently has evidence that this also happened to other women. Uh, but that has not been revealed yet. But they're talking about assault here. Um, there is a flashback. It's amazing the speed of social media today. Uh, back in 2012, his then co-host, uh, Katie Couric, in a televised interview, actually said the following about Matt Lauer. You co-hosted the Today Show with Matt Lauer for 15 years. What is Matt's most annoying habit? <laughs> mm. He pinches me on the ass a lot. Wow! <laughs> All right, maybe I, she was joking. She was on with Andy Cohen and watch what happens live, but... Maybe in light of today's developments, who knows here? And what's interesting is Katie's answer came and went. Nobody really picked it up at the time. And I, I guess most people assume that that she was joking at the time. Now, there's there's even more. I told you this is now going to be a huge cascading impact. And only hours after Lauer w made his the firing announcement was made, you had another marquee star of major TV and uh, major TV and radio network terminated over quote improper behavior, and that's veteran radio host Garrison Keeler. He's a big left winger, uh, and he was the host of Prairie Home Companion on Minnesota Public Radio, and they announced that he was being fired from his longtime broadcast home over accusations of improper behavior. And after confirming the news in an email to the AP, Keeler issued a follow-up statement saying that he was terminated, quote, over a story I think is more interesting and more complicated than the version NPR heard. But he didn't elaborate on that. NPR issued a statement on Wednesday announcing that it would end its business relationship with Keeler's media companies effective immediately, and that included ending distribution and broadcast of the Writer's Almanac, which is a daily syndicated program that Keeler continued to write and produce, in addition to rebroadcasting the Best of a Prairie Home Companion, which actually was a great old-time radio show. And uh, he had created that in 1974 until he retired from the Radio Variety program and a big blowout at the Hollywood Bowl in, in July of 2016. Now, we do have The Hill giving a little bit more details on all of this. And Keeler said, you know, he's fired because of an incident where he put his hand on a, a woman's bare back. And he actually said that, quote, I put my hand on a woman's bare back. 
I meant to pat her back after she told me about her unhappiness and her shirt was open and my hand went up at about six inches. I mean, this is getting so hard to cover this crap. But anyway, he said in an email to the Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis rather Star Tribune, I sent her an email of apology later. She replied that she had forgiven me not to think about it. We were friends. We continue to be friendly right up until her lawyer called and Keeler called his firing poetic irony of a high order. If I had a dollar for every woman who asked to take a selfie with me and slipped an arm around me and let it drift down below my belt line, I would have at least $100. So this is poetic irony of a high order, he said. Um, anyway, getting fired is a real distinction in broadcasting. I've waited 50 years for the honor. All my heroes got fired. I only wish it could have been for something more heroic. Anyway, all of uh, his work now there is going to be done. But that's not even it today. I mean, you can't make this up. NPR chief news editor David Sweeney. He's now left NPR following allegations of sexual harassment filed against him by at least three female journalists. And they said the senior vice president of news, Chris Turpin, said in an email to staff, David Sweeney is no longer on staff. It's a difficult time for our newsroom. I'm committed to supporting all of you as we move forward. Now, the complaints against Sweeney, well, that was filed after Michael Areskus, who is their senior vice president of news and editorial director, when he was forced to resign on November the 1st over sexual misconduct allegations. That's all we know in that particular case. So, and a lot of this, I guess, is going to be coming out in the days and, and weeks to come, and I don't think there's any end to this. I just got I've got to believe whatever it was in the case of Matt Lauer is is much more severe than than what is being told now. The fact that they used sexual assault that almost reeks of a crime that was committed against somebody. Now, the question is, how long did NBC know and and what did they know and did they act? And I guess that's they're going to have to deal with that and those questions in the days uh, ahead here. Uh, I do have some good news for you today, and that is the Commerce Department upwardly revised our economic growth to an annual rate of 3.3% in July through September. That's up from the first reported 3%. That's great news for the economy. And if the fourth quarter comes in as strong as we're expecting, this will be the first year. Obama never had a single year, not one, the only president in history of 3% GDP growth. So that would be amazing. Business investment rose at 7.3% at an annual pace. That's the best showing in nearly a year. Consumer spending, which accounts for 70% of the economy, that's up a healthy 2.3% annual pace. And consumer spending continues to increase at a solid, sustainable pace. And that would push the economy forward in 2018. And what do we see happening as a result? We see the stock market now is, is basically breaking a record a day which is getting interesting. Um, Nobody really wants to pay a lot of attention to North Korea, but I'm telling you, this is, we now have a North Korea because of Bill Clinton's horrific deal with the North Koreans and his attempted bribery of Kim Jong-il, which is Kim Jong-un's father, you know, of energy and billions of taxpayer dollars. And the problem is a good deal for the American people, good deal for America. No, it wasn't. Because now they have the ability to reach the continental United States. And that means that America is going to have to now react 
Even Lindsey Graham said Trump's ready to destroy North Korea. There are not good options here. Just remember, I'm the one that keeps saying there are not a lot of good options. Newt Gingrich will join us later to talk about, you know, is there a magnetic, electromagnetic pulse option or some other option? But that means they can hit New York, Boston, and the West Coast of the United States. Hey, you know what? It sounds too good to be true. There's a good chance, guys out there, when Tommy John says their underwear never rides up, well, you can take that to the bank. Now, Tommy John is state-of-the-art in terms of they have redefined comfort for men everywhere, including myself. Every pair of Tommy Johns is crafted from feather-light, breathable fabrics that move with you, not against you, providing the perfect balance of support and, of course, mind-blowing comfort. Now, these guys have thought of everything when it comes to giving all men the comfort they deserve, they want, and they need. Plus, all their underwear is backed by the best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free, guarantee you've got nothing to lose. So change out of that unsightly, ill-fitting, multi-pack underwear, get Tommy John's. It's worth it. No adjustment needed. Experience the comfort you never knew existed. Just go to TommyJohn.com slash Hannity. You get 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com slash Hannity. 20% off. TommyJohn.com slash Hannity. You will never regret it. All right, so the president is now taken to the podium. He's in Missouri. We're going to start his speeches, rally here, and uh, we'll pick it up on the other side. We will be taking our normal bottom-of-the-hour break, but we'll just delay the rest of the speech, and here's the president. I told you that we would be saying Merry Christmas again, right? And it's great to be back in Missouri, a sign of a lot of good things, because you're doing really well. And I want to thank Governor Greitens and Attorney General Hawley, who, by the way, Josh, where's Josh? Josh, our next senator, where is he? It's going to be a great senator. And he wants to see a major tax cut. I think I can speak for him, right? And your current senator does not want to see a tax cut. That's not good. That's not good. He wants your taxes to go up. Secretary Mnuchin, who's doing such a fantastic job. Thank you. And Linda McMahon, everybody knows, administrator, small business, became a big business under Linda. She's helping a lot of people. Thank you very much, Linda. I especially want to thank Missouri's incredible congressional delegation, Sam Graves. Where's Sam? You all here? Yeah. They all flew in with me. They wouldn't miss that flight. Vicki Hartzler. Vicki, thank you. Thank you, Vicki. Billy Long, who I think was my first endorser in the entire country, practically, Billy, right? Thank you, Billy. Blaine Lukemeyer. Blaine. Thank you, Blaine. And he was great on television today. I watched him. I got up early and I watched you on. T- that was a good interview. Thank you. Very much in favor of tax cuts. Jason Smith and Ann Wagner. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Ann. And, you know, I have two others that I have a lot of. I have a lot of faith in faith. Sally Faith. Where's Sally? Your mayor. Hi, Sally. Thanks, Sally. And Eric Schmidt, Missouri State Treasurer. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. You're doing a great job. Just three months ago, we came to this state to launch our plan to bring back Main Street by cutting taxes for American families and small businesses. Today, I've come back. All right, we're going to pick it up right from that point. You won't miss a second of it. That's the president speaking out about his tax plan, which uh, full court press now 
heading into this final crucial three-week period in the Senate. We'll have more on Matt Lauer and Garrison Keeler and much more straight ahead. We're trying to be a spoke in the wheel, make this wheel go round, and help the country recover. That's what the president is now addressing in Missouri as he now pushes in this crucial time frame the Senate to finally do something and pass his tax cut bill. Here's the president. We'll pick it up right where we left off. To launch our plan to bring back Main Street by cutting taxes for American families and small businesses. Today, I've come back to this incredible state to spend an afternoon with its amazing citizens. You are amazing. To help push our plan for historic tax cuts Right across that finish line, we're going to do that. With your help, we can usher in a thrilling new era of opportunity and growth for this nation that we love so much. Tax cuts have already passed the House of Representatives. Big ones. Big ones. The eyes of the world now turn to the United States Senate. A successful vote in the Senate this week will bring us one giant step closer to delivering an incredible victory for the American people. Massive tax cuts and reform. I don't even mention the word reform because people don't know exactly what we're talking about. You know, for years, they have not been able to get tax cuts. Many, many years since Reagan. And the problem was they talked about tax reform, not tax cuts. I said, don't call it reform. Call it tax cuts and reform. So every once in a while, we'll add the name reform. But it's tax cuts. We cannot sit. Right? That's the governor agrees. (laughs) We cannot sit idly by and watch ourselves losing in competition to other countries as they continue to take away our jobs because their tax codes are more competitive and less burdensome than ours. That's why we must cut our taxes, reduce economic burdens, and restore America's competitive edge. We're going to do that, too, and it's already happening. Look what's happening with our markets. People get it. If we do this, then America will win again like never, ever before. A vote to cut taxes is a vote to put America first again. We want to do that. We want to put America first again. It's time to take care of our workers, to protect our communities, and to rebuild our great country. You know, we've spent... We've spent almost $7 trillion in the Middle East over the last 16 years. Seven trillion. Now, I'm taking care of it. We're doing numbers like ISIS has never seen before. We're wiping them out. Terrorists, they're bad. And all of that. But we've spent almost $7 trillion. We could have rebuilt our country four times over. And we're going to start spending here. We're going to start spending here. 
And with that being said, we're going to protect our country, whether it's North Korea or any, but we're going to protect our country like never before. We're going to build up our military and make our product here and make our planes and our boats and our everything here. But we're going to build up our military. But we've got to start focusing on our country. That's why I'm saying America first. Make America great again. You've never heard that expression. (laughs) All those hats, all those beards, they've never heard that expression before. Ah, that was a good expression, and it's a true expression. It's already happening and long ahead of schedule. In fact, today, some numbers came out that people haven't seen in many, many years. This beautiful city of St. Charles is the perfect place to deliver the message that I want to deliver. It's the place where America's past and future come to life on its historic, brick-lined Main Street. Nice street. Do you agree? It was along these very streets that in 1804, the great American explorers Lewis and Clark gathered their final supplies before setting out on their very historic expedition of discovery. I have to say, I didn't really know that until two days ago. (laughs) See? See, now the world is watching. Look at all the fake news back there. They're all... They're all watching. Today, more than two centuries later, a new generation of American pioneers begins its own adventure gathering inside the startups and the storefronts of main streets across the country, blazing new trails into totally uncharted territory of business and technology, and once again, leading our nation into a future of limitless potential. It's what we have in this country. We have the greatest people. It's the greatest country. I love this country so much. Our country was not treated properly for a long time. We're treating it properly. We're treating it with love and with this. We got to treat it with this. And today, just as it's always been, Main Street is the heart of our economy, the soul of our community, and the birthplace of American dreams. But over the years, crippling taxes, massive regulation, and totally disastrous trade deals. Oh, the trade deals. Oh, I get a headache thinking about who made these deals. One after another. WTO, NAFTA, the wonderful deal with South Korea. Remember they said it's going to produce 200,000 jobs? And it did for South Korea. Didn't produce. We lost 200,000 jobs. It turned some of our businesses' main streets into empty ghost towns. You see what's happened. Now we have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to restore American prosperity and reclaim America's great destiny. We've already made tremendous progress, far greater than I would have thought. I will tell you this in a non-braggadocious way. There has never been a 10-month president that has accomplished what we have accomplished. That I can tell you. That I can tell you. Today, again, the stock market has reached another record all-time high. 
The unemployment rate nationwide is the lowest it's been in 17 years. And 13 states this year have seen unemployment drop to the lowest levels in the history of their state. And I hate to tell you, but Missouri happens to be one of them. We've created nearly 2 million jobs. 2 million jobs. Think of that. We used to lose millions. Now we've created 2 million jobs since I won the election. And I want to say since you won the election. I didn't win the election. You won the election. And we will create countless more if we can sustain the 3% growth rate we have achieved for the past two quarters. But we're going to do much better than that. Remember, I used to say we can hit four and we can hit three. And they were all saying, forget it, forget it. It was 1.2. It was doing terribly. We were flat. We were even. In all fairness, the stock market was going this way. And now we're hitting numbers that nobody thought possible, certainly not in this time. And the numbers going up are going to be much better than anybody anticipates. In fact, they're going to say that Trump is the opposite of an exaggerator, the exact opposite. (laughs) They're going to start saying, Governor, that he ought to be a little bit more optimistic because his predictions were low. Can you believe it? You know, a year and a half ago, they were saying, oh, he can't do that. Now they're saying, hmm, that was quick. (laughs) But by the way, the Commerce Department announced this morning that our GDP, that's the big one, in the third quarter grew even faster than they reported previously. They made a mistake. They were too low. They had it at 3%. By the way, 3%. Did you ever think you'd hear that in less than a year? And now it comes in at 3.3%, which is the largest increase in many years. And if we didn't have the hurricanes, we would have been at 4%. The hurricanes were devastating. And I said they're worth a point. They said they were worth like 0.006. But I said they were worth a point. We would have been at 4%, maybe even over 4%. But we had hurricanes. We took care of them. In Texas and Florida, they did a great, great job, amazing job, tremendous leadership. And we're very proud. Puerto Rico has been a very tough situation because of the fact that it was in very, very bad shape before the storms ever hit. But they're doing well there, and it's healing, and it's getting better, and we're getting them power and all of the things that they have to have. But I want to tell you that a lot of brave people in every state, we have great, great people, and it's our number one resource, believe me. Really great. But in order to achieve this bright and glowing future, the Senate must pass those tax cuts, bring Main Street roaring back, and that's what's going to happen. This is all done without the tax cuts. And I'm not sure that people even believe the tax cuts. I want to see what happens. And the big day will be either tomorrow or the next day. I would say do it now. We're ready. I said to the Republicans, and I want to tell you, these are good people. They really want to, and I know they get hit hard, the senators, the congressmen, but they're all working hard. It's not so easy. It's complicated stuff. It's not so easy. 
But we had an incredible session yesterday. And I think we're there. That's why I said, let's do, can we do the vote today? What do I know? I'm a business guy. Can we do the vote now? Well, they said, how about Friday? I said, I don't want to wait till Friday. <laughs> right, Billy? I said, Billy, can we do the vote? Get me the vote. Well, Billy's already passed it, so. And then what happens, if it passes, it goes into this beautiful committee, this beautiful, I call it a pot. And we mix it up and we stir it up and we bring all the best things out. And you're going to have something, I predict, that will be really, really special. So right now, really is. Really is. So right now, America's tax code is a total dysfunctional mess. The current system has cost our nation millions of American jobs, trillions and trillions of dollars, and billions of hours wasted on paperwork and compliance. It is riddled with loopholes that let some special interests, including myself, in all fairness, this is going to cost me a fortune, this thing. Believe me. Believe me. This is not good for me. Me, it's not so. I have some very wealthy friends. Not so happy with me, but that's okay. You know, I keep hearing Schumer, deuces for the wealthy. Well, if it is, my friends don't know about it. (laughs) I have to explain why. Now, it is great for companies because companies are going to bring back jobs and we're lowering the rates very substantially. But right now, we're bringing the rates down from 35%, which is totally non-competitive. The highest industrialized nation in the world, by far, and we're bringing it all the way down to 20%. But that's good. That's good for everybody in the room, whether you have a company or whether you want a job, because we're going to bring back jobs. And what we've had is a massive giveaway to foreign countries, which encourage businesses to relocate offshore. And you've seen what's happened. Before this, this is really I'm most proud, because as bad as our tax code is, We have Toyota, we have big car companies coming back in, building plants in Michigan and other places. We have a lot of businesses coming back in. And they see what's happening. They see what's going on. That's why they're doing. Our current code is a giant, and really it is, it's a self-inflicted economic wound. It's been that way for so many years, and nobody wanted to do anything about it. But all that will change, and it will change immediately, If Congress sends a tax cut and reform bill, the biggest tax cut in the history of our country, bigger than Reagan, if they send it to my desk, I promise all of the people in this room, my friends, so many friends in this room, it's a great state, I promise you I will sign it. I promise. I will not veto that bill. There will be no veto. Under the plan moving forward in the Senate, a typical family of four earning $75,000, as an example, will see their taxes go down by as much as $2,000. That's a lot. Now, we're doing that not just to help people. We're doing that because it helps our country. You're going to take that 2000 and... All right, that's the president speaking in Missouri about his tax plan. We're going to have experts on the program taking your specific calls on this issue tomorrow. Uh, For those of you along the Sean Hannity Show Network, we are going to stay with the president. If you need to go to your local break, now would be the time to do it. Well, business, wait till you see the final product. Wait till you see what finally comes out in what I call the mixer. 
The beating heart of our plan is a tax cut for working families. That's what it is. We're going to make sure... That you keep more of your hard-earned money. We're going to make sure also that you have a job that you want. You're going to have choice. You know, in education, we now have choice. Good word. Here, you're going to have a choice. You're not just going to have one job. You're going to have a choice of many jobs. People are moving back into our country. Under our plan, the first $12,000 of income earned by a single individual will be totally income tax-free. Zero. And a married couple won't pay one dime of income tax on their first $24,000 of income. Zero. Our plan will significantly increase the child tax credit and make it available to more middle-class families because the single most important investment our nation can make is in our children. Do we agree? You agree? You better agree. Families will also benefit from a new credit for other dependents like a child in college or an elderly loved one. We have our mothers, our fathers, you have your grandparents, you have people that are elderly that have done a fantastic job. They've grown old. You want to help them. Now we are going to help you help them. We're also going to eliminate tax breaks and complex loopholes taken advantage of by the wealthy. Who are they? I don't know. (laughs) I think my accountants are going crazy right now. It's all right. Hey, look, I'm president. I don't care. I don't care anymore. I don't care. Some of my wealthy friends care. Me, I don't care. This is a higher calling. Do we agree? As Hillary said, what difference does it make? It made a difference. Made, it made a big difference. Made a big, big difference. We want a tax code that is simple and fair, and that's for all Americans. The plan that senators will be voting on this week, hopefully as soon as possible, closes the loopholes that corporations use to shift their profits to tax havens, and it eliminates deductions for CEO salaries over $1 million. You see what some of these people are making. (laughs) Little ridiculous. I'm driving up their stock. They're making a fortune. Then they go to their board, and they tell everybody what a great job they're doing. But what am I going to (laughs) do? And many of them, honestly, I don't like. Some of these bankers, I don't like them, and they're making a fortune, and it's one of those things. Steve knows a couple of them that I'm talking about, doesn't he? They're saying what a great job they do. Right now, anybody could do their job, because we're making it easy for them, because we're giving them a great and strong economy, and because we've cut regulations more than any president in the history of this country by far, and that's for full terms. That's not for 10 months. And it allows builders to build, and it allows farmers to farm. You know what I've done for farmers. Where have you had a little puddle? 
in the middle of your field, you go to jail if you touch it, right? You know what I'm talking about. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. And it allows bankers to lend. It allows bankers to lend again. So many people came up to me and they said, we had a 20-year relationship with a bank. We never had a default. We never had a bad loan. Now we go back to the bank and they say, we can't do business with you anymore because they don't qualify, even though they're better than the people that do qualify. It's incredible. But we're back to the strong days of our banks and not the days of trouble. Pre that, we're back to the strong, where bankers can make loans and community bankers can make great loans to good people. You saw what happened recently where the certain agency or bureau that was causing so much trouble to lenders where they could not lend. They just couldn't lend. It was devastating. They were going out of business. Well, we're taking care of that. We've already taken care of a big part of it. And yesterday you saw... We- All right, we're going to... Uh, that's the... Man, he is on fire today. At this point, what difference does it make? I'm president. All right, when we come back, we've got Newt Gingrich. Also, Al Franken's office confronted by Juanita Broderick and others. We'll have that. Joe Concha on the media. Matt Lauer's sexual harassment and much more. Mr. President... It's time to stop tweeting and start leading. There are serious questions that must be answered and, and many things that must be done. Democrats and Republicans on the Hill have come together on government funding before. In April, Speaker Ryan, Leader McConnell, Leader Pelosi and I worked together to fund the government and avoid a shutdown. The four of us have worked together before and we Democrats are ready to do it again. So if President Trump doesn't want to get involved in this, if President Trump says he's not interested in cutting a deal, then we suggest that Speaker Ryan, Leader McConnell, Leader Pelosi, and I sit down. We can come up with a good deal on our own. And that's what was done before. That's what can be done again. As I said, there are serious issues in front of us. We don't have time to waste. We don't have games to play. The military is always secondary to them. The military to me, number one, we won't be here without our powerful military. And we're building it up stronger, bigger, better than ever before. And General Mattis can testify to that. And the other thing, they want tax increases and we want major tax decreases. So they decided not to show up. Uh, They've been all talk and they've been no action. And now it's even worse. Uh, Now it's not even talk. So they're not showing up for the meeting. I will say this, uh, in light of the missile launch, probably they'll be here fairly quickly, or at least discussions will start taking place fairly quickly. I think that uh, we're in a very good position in terms of the meeting we just had over at the Capitol with the Republican senators. It was outstanding. If that happens, I would absolutely blame the Democrats. If it happens, it's going to be over illegals pouring into the country, crime pouring into the country, no border wall, which everybody wants. I got elected partially because of a border wall. Uh, You look at the military, we want strong funding for the military. They don't. So many things. As an example, they want high taxes. We want cut taxes. We're going to cut taxes. We're going to reform. We're going to simplify. They want high taxes. We want low taxes. So there's a lot of big differences. So we'll see what happens as to shut down. We'll see. That was the president, the back and forth between Schumer, Pelosi, and the president yesterday. And, of course, 
uh, Schumer and Pelosi grandstanding, and they wouldn't even show up for a meeting with the president, which is beyond frustrating for everybody. Uh, the reality is they don't have a plan. They, you know, everybody forgets they actually had an economic plan that included, you know, $10 trillion in new taxes, $11 trillion in new spending. And then, of course, what's their plan for North Korea? That Many of these are the same people that supported Bill Clinton's stupid, naive appeasement policies. Oh, we can bribe our way towards a peace with Kim Jong-un, uh, Kim Jong-un's father, Kim Jong-il, and we'll make the world a better place. We'll just give him billion, billions of dollars in energy and concessions, and we'll just say pretty, pretty please with sugar on top. Whatever you do, don't build nuclear weapons. Well, now the North Koreans have the capacity, the ICBM capacity. Remember, this, this missile went higher than any other missile out of the atmosphere than ever before. It's now ICBM capability they have. We know they have nuclear weapons, and they're now precipitating a crisis that was wholly and completely done under Bill Clinton's watch and Barack Obama's watch because they did nothing to stop it. And now the saber rattling is at a level that we'd never seen before, worse than it's ever been before. And so this is now the state of of where the world is having to basically hope and monitor that this guy's not going to fire another missile at at Japan or Hawaii or Guam or anywhere in between. Joining us now, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Uh, How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I think... uh... You are correctly drawing people's attention to probably the biggest threat we face in the near future, which is a truly a very serious and I think a very hard to solve problem. Well, I don't think there are many good options, although you did actually raise my hopes in an interview when this happened the last time by saying that we might have new defense capabilities that most Americans don't know about, which would include something on the lines of an electromagnetic pulse that could shut down the entire country of North Korea. I think that there are a number of tools in our arsenal, and I think that we're being pushed towards using them. I also think we're pushing the Chinese very hard to uh, make it possible for us to uh, keep them off balance, if you will. Uh, I I don't think that we should give up on on finding a a peaceful solution, but we should recognize that that what's happened in part is that Kim Jong-un, the dictator of North Korea, has been educated for a generation by watching Western American presidents say big things and do nothing. And uh, I think that what you're seeing shift is that we are now beginning, we now have a president who means what he's saying, and we've got to somehow um, get through this. I mean, it's really uh, uh, very important. I I happened uh, to have a chance yesterday chatting with General, uh, now Secretary Mattis and a few other people, to get a feel for the fact that they're totally engaged. I mean, they literally were responding within seconds of having heard this information, and they are really putting pressure throughout the region. So um, I'm not convinced yet that, that, that it's hopeless, but I am convinced it's a serious, serious problem. Well, it seems to me, I mean, at this point now, at some point, we've got to make a decision. Now that they have, you know, this missile flew, you know, 50 minutes in the air, now, General Mattis is saying it can reach the continental United States. That, put a, that puts every American in jeopardy. So now, well, remember, remember what they did, which was pretty clever, is they fired the missile very high. Yep. 
so they they so it looks on the surface like a relatively short range, but that's because they were using the energy to push it uh, upwards. Up to, uh, upwards. So we think that probably if you straightened it out, you could reach um, Washington D.C. with this missile. Now, I did. I happened this morning to be with Leon Panetta, who used to be both Secretary of Defense and uh, head of the CIA, and he was saying that he's he's reasonably confident that we can defeat one or two ICBMs if we had to uh, with our ballistic missile defense system. But he also, I think, is moving in a direction. I don't want to put words in Leon's mouth. But but he also is moving in a direction you've heard me talk about, which is that we have to take seriously the idea of a shoot-on-launch response, which kills the missile. If, if our listeners can follow this, you, you when a missile first starts to rise, it's, it's pretty direct and pretty straight. And so that's actually the best time to try to to kill it because uh, you have the easiest shot at it. And North Korea is a relatively narrow peninsula, so you could actually have aircraft on on a 24-hour alert sitting offshore, actually flying offshore with hypersonic weapons and go after. Listen, I I agree. They're launched. But this is not perfect technology. Uh, you know, one time I, I remember discussing this very topic with you. I want to have 40 shots at it, not one or two. And if okay. he launches two simultaneously, you know, then what do we do? Or three simultaneously? Well, look, this, this, in my judgment, this makes it imperative that Congress pass a dramatically bigger defense budget and include investing in a, a mid-course up in space capability, include a dramatically enhanced uh, continental U.S. capability and include an ability on, on launch. So you think of it as a three-layered system. You you try to kill it first on the way up. You try to kill it while it's in space, and then you try to kill it when it comes down. That gives you, if you do it right, it probably gives you twenty or thirty shots at this thing. Yeah. Uh, and you should have a you should be able to build a system that has a pretty high likelihood of doing that. Now, I know the world and, and everybody is sort of rocked up with all the allegations in Washington and the media world and Matt Lauer and Garrison Keillor and Al Franken and John Conyers, et cetera. Uh, but this is a clear and present danger to the U.S. Similarly, I think the Republican Party now in the next three weeks, it's do or die for them in the Senate. And that is, look, they've only confirmed half of the president's appointments in a year. That is an unforgivably no- low number. Uh, Mitch McConnell has whined and complained about excessive expectations. They never got their seven-and-a-half-year promise of repeal and replace done. How confident are you that this tax cut bill is actually going to pass and they'll go into conference and the president will have a bill to sign before Christmas? Oh, I'm, I would say 80 or 90 percent confident. Now, listen, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I am not that confident. Convince me why, because— uh, I just, no, I'm not, no, you didn't ask me to convince you. You asked me how I felt. No, I know, but uh, I want you to convince me because I'd feel a lot better. I mean, that's what friends well, do. Okay, okay, okay. And by the way, I should just say for the audience's sake, uh, I need to thank you. I had no idea how bad my voice had gotten the other night. Uh, and uh, other than the fact that you lectured me publicly for the entire country on how to take care of my voice. <laughs> no, it I, sounds I, a I, lot I better. But by, I, I, listen, I, I hope you noticed in the interview that I talked a lot more than I usually would. I know. <laughs> But anyway, I just want to apologize for the entire audience. So I didn't feel like I no, no, no. my end of the bargain. No, but, listen, but, it, it happens. All right, got to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll have more with Newt Gingrich on the other side of this break. 
All right, as we continue, Newt Gingrich uh, remains with us, author of the book, Vengeance. The thing I most like about where we are right now in the tax bill is that I think the president learned the key lesson of the failure with Obamacare, which is that the legislative process comes down to 50 senators plus the vice president and 218 House members and the president's signature. And if you can't find a way, it's a numbers game. If you can't find a way to get to 50 plus the vice president and you can't find a way to get to 218, you're not going to get a law, period. I don't, you, know, you know the most, the most fa- fabulous idealistic bill in history. And if you can't get those numbers right, you lose. The president said yesterday when he was asked about um, Senator Corker's proposal that they have a target, they have a trigger five or six years out. If they don't get enough economic growth, something will be triggered, et cetera. And he said, look, I don't particularly like it, but if that's what it takes to get the bill, then I would sign it. And that was the right answer, because you don't want to say, you know, I'm going to kill the bill over some argument six years from now. Uh, you got lots of stuff you can do between now and six years from now. Plus, I think if you look at the, the growth numbers that came in this morning, we're already at 3.3 without the tax cut. So we have a real chance here. And the way the president's gone around the planet, by the way, creating American jobs, getting contracts signed, country after country, uh, there's a lot of underlying momentum building here. So I think what they've done, they, they sat down brilliantly uh, with Senator Collins. She had a very specific concern. They said to her, how about we, we make in order two bills you'll offer on health care that we brought up in the Senate and we'll pass it. Um, she said that that's all, that satisfies my primary concern. Now she's in. It's been a much more personal, much more what a legislative process should be. Uh, and so I think that they're, they're on a roll. Uh, we could have fall apart, sure, but you only have a two-vote majority or a three-vote margin. You know, anything can happen. But I, I just sense that they're close to it. Let me also point out on the appointments, by the way, McConnell the other day said, okay, I am now getting seriously fed up. And I think they, they have a rule that says if you say you're going to filibuster a nominee, it takes 30 hours before you can get to the vote. Uh, And he said, maybe we ought to reduce that to eight. And if that doesn't work, maybe we ought to reduce it to four. When he said that, all of a sudden the Democrats agreed to 85 different uh, nominations being approved by unanimous consent, just like that. So here's my proposal. Uh, If the Democrats don't want to meet in the White House on the budget, let's do to budget votes and, and spending votes what they've already done to Supreme Court votes. Let's just make it a simple majority. Then you don't have to worry about meeting with Schumer. Mm-hmm. Well, I th- I've been saying this. Now, somebody did us a big favor that nobody ever took note of it, and that is Senator Grassley of Iowa, because with a lot of the court appointments by and the judgeships that are appointed by the president, you know, they used to have a courtesy rule where the home state senators would sign off on it. And he said, forget about it. It's never going to happen. So I'm not wasting my time. And that was a precedent sent by set by Harry Reid. And the same with this, you know, antiquated uh, rule that Mitch McConnell's clinging to that is killing the president's agenda. Yeah. I, and I'll tell you, one of the things you can tell is different. In the old days, a traditional Republican would have tried to uh, find a way to uh, appease the Democrats. Uh, what, what's now happening is a new spirit is infecting on the spirit of Trump, if you will. Uh, and uh, that it was it was to me very clear uh, that uh, what's what's happening is the Republicans are getting tougher instead of trying to appease the Democrats. They're standing up to them. Now that in my career, I have never seen this level of toughness among Republicans in the Senate. 
All right, we're going to have to leave it go there. Uh, I'm glad you're feeling better, Mr. Speaker. It was good to see you the other night. By the way, you see the picture of me on the New York Times Sunday Magazine? Wasn't it a nice yeah, picture? Did you see all the nice things I said about you? you? You were great. I mean, but the problem is you have to get past that hideous picture to see it. Well, it's the New York Times. I mean, I, but, you know, yeah, I know. They're so not going to make look. They're not going to make you a pinup boy. I hate to tell you this. <laughs> if, that, if, that was, if, if, if your goal in life was to be a pinup boy for the New York Times, oh, you need to move about two seriously. Yards to the left. By the way, I was yeah. there with the Gingrich that stole Christmas. So I listen. I should have learned a long time ago to follow your lead and stay out of these stupid newspapers. <laughs> no, I think it was a good article for you. In fact, I had some friends of ours tell me yesterday uh, how surprised they were. And how totally positive the article was. I didn't see it exactly the same way, but it's about me. What do I know? Mr. Speaker, you're very kind. Uh, I'm glad you're feeling better. 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. You're going to meet those that confronted Al Franken's office. And we're going to check in with Matt Gates on the latest on Uranium One, the Clinton scandals. And, yeah, Al Franken confronted. Matt Lauer gone. Aris and Kaler gone. That's next. If there is this moment where voters are looking now in a general election context, they're thinking of you versus Donald Trump. Some voters may be paying attention now in a different kind of way. What's your answer to those people who think, gee, FBI inquiry, that's a big deal. Uh, what do you say to them? I say what I've said now for many, many months. It's a security inquiry. I always took classified material seriously. Uh, there was never any material marked classified that was sent or received uh, by me. And I uh, look forward to this being wrapped up. What about people who think, well, she might be president? What has she learned from this whole process? Well, that was a mistake. And I have said that, and I will say it again <laughs> as often as I need to. Uh, it seemed like a convenient uh, idea at the time that certainly wasn't. And so uh, I always take classified material seriously. Uh, there's no argument about that that I'm aware of. And I will continue to do so. I have to give them credit. You know, Trump and his allies, including Fox News, are really experts at distraction and diversion. So the closer the investigation about real Russian ties between Trump associates and real Russians, as we heard Jeff Sessions finally admit to uh, in his testimony the other day, the more they want to just throw mud on the wall and I'm their favorite target, me and, you know, President Obama. We're the ones that they always like to put into the crosshairs. Um, so, yes, I, I'm, I'm not surprised, but I think the real story is how nervous they are about these continuing investigations. Let me go back, if I can, very briefly to the decision to publicly go out with your results on the email. Was your decision influenced by the attorney general's tarmac meeting with the former president, Bill Clinton? Yes, in, in a ultimately uh, conclusive way. That was the thing that kept it for me, that I had to do something separately to protect the credibility of the investigation, which meant both the FBI and the Justice Department. Were there other things that contributed to that that you can describe in an open session? There were other things that contributed to that. Uh, one significant item I can't, I know the committee's been briefed on. There's been some public accounts of it which are nonsense, but I understand the committee's been briefed on the classified facts. Probably the only other consideration that I guess I can talk about in an open setting is that at one point the Attorney General had directed me not to call it an investigation, but instead to call it a matter which confused me and concerned me. But that was one of the bricks in the load that led me to conclude I have to step away from the department if we're to close this case credibly. All right, 24 now till the top of the hour. Toll free on numbers 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Oh, I never sent and I never received any of this information. 
classified information. And by the way, it, it's only a matter. It's not, it's not an investigation. It's a matter. And I'll meet you on the tarmac. And Hillary blows it all off his course. Anyway, there is going to be a major bombshell regarding all of this. We expect in the next week. So tick-tock to everybody in the liberal news media that hates me but yet obsessively listens to this program every day. Joining us now is Florida Congressman Matt Gates, who uh, is talking about this new evidence that uncovered the FBI colluding with Clinton and the investigation that they are planning to launch to expose what is widespread deception and much more. How are you, sir? I'm great, Sean. And for those who did not catch your segment last night on the Uranium One scandal and the investigations that are still needed there, the special counsel that is still needed there, I would recommend them to go to your website, look that up, because it was very informative. Well, I appreciate it. I got listen, I got to give all credit where it's due. And that goes to John Solomon and Sarah Carter. Uh, At the end of all of this, I predict they should be getting the Pulitzer Prize for investigative work. Will it happen? I don't know. Um, So the FBI recently released emails in which Hillary was called, in other words, special access program. And also the investigation was called special by the FBI deputy director, Andrew McCabe. Now, special access program information is the highest level of classification. So I want you to go deep into these two things in particular. Absolutely, Sean. And, you know, equal treatment under the law is a fundamental value that we cherish as Americans. And what erodes equal treatment under the law is if you give special treatment to some people and you depart from the normal investigative processes. When you and I have pointed out that Hillary Clinton has got her own standard throughout her entire career, her own level of review that is less than would be applied to any other public official, she says it's a vast right-wing conspiracy. It's an abuse of power. But now, coming out of the FBI, we are seeing concrete evidence that Hillary Clinton was not treated like every other American. She wasn't even treated like every other person that would be in the Washington, D.C. area accused of a crime. So you've got, you've got Andrew McCabe, who's the current deputy director of the FBI, who at the time was working in the Washington field office, sending emails designating the Hillary Clinton investigations as special, telling people to not engage in the normal investigative procedures and practices, but that instead there would be a, quote, small group at HQ, at headquarters, that would manage this investigation. Now, that alone is troubling, but when we provide the additional context, it becomes potentially criminal. Here's what worries us. You've got Loretta Lynch on the tarmac telling Bill Clinton, you know, Lord knows what, in their one-on-one meeting, I don't think there are any Americans who think that they were talking about their grandkids at the time. Then you've got James Comey giving testimony that Loretta Lynch told him to call this a matter and not an investigation. Then you've got Comey ripping this case out of the hands of the Washington field office so that he can have total control over it. And then you have the revelation that James Comey said that he was writing the exoneration statement for Hillary Clinton before even conducting critical parts of the investigation, like interviewing Hillary Clinton herself. Here's what we've got to do. We've got to make sure that under the new leadership at the FBI, under Christopher Wray, we do not have this system where you got one track for the politicians and another track of justice for everyone else. We need to clean house at the FBI. We need to attack the deep state there that is unfortunately undermining the rule of law. And I think that will give the American people more confidence. So in, in the coming weeks, 
We expect a lot of developments. We expect to see some real action at the FBI from Christopher Wray. And we will have activity upcoming in the Judiciary Committee that will highlight our concerns over the rule of law. All right. So here is where I think I've got to be honest, Congressman. At times I've felt like a lone voice in the wilderness and, and you know, media personalities and, and other competitive networks have said, well, why is Hannity talking about this? Because if we don't have equal justice under the law in this country, we don't have justice. We have a banana republic. The evidence is so overwhelming so incontrovertible on on major issues, and that would include the Uranium One deal. And we learned last night from John Solomon that the Clintons and the Clinton Foundation understated support uh, from the firm that was hired by the Russian nuclear company. And by the way, it never made sense to give away, you know, 20 percent of America's uranium when we have to import uranium because we don't have enough uranium. Then we've got the Russian dossier for a year they lied about, said they had nothing to do with. Now we know they funded Christopher Steele, Fusion GPS, to come up with Russian lies to influence the American people in an election. And it goes back to a simple abuse of power when 33,000 emails are deleted when they're subpoenaed by Congress, and then they use acid wash and bleach bit, and then they destroy these devices with a hammer. All of that would... But, Sean, Hillary says it's us. It's it's the Republicans who are abusing power by having the audacity to question the special treatment that she gets. You know what? Why, if if you subpoenaed Hannity documents and I deleted them, I suspect that I would be arrested and probably charged and maybe put in jail for a long time. Well, you're absolutely right, but see, they're used to their own standard. You know, I'm an attorney. In, in the court of law, if you go and destroy evidence, there is a presumption that that evidence would be detrimental to the claims you are making. But see, the Clintons, they enjoy a presumption that they should be treated differently or special. And, and you're right, Sean, you have taken enormous criticism from the mainstream media over the fact that you've been pointing these things out. But as a consequence of the McCabe emails that have been released, we now have proof that you've been right all along. There can no longer be a dispute on the facts as to whether or not Hillary Clinton was treated differently. The FBI's own emails that they themselves released prove it. And so now we need to know why. And I think important for us moving forward, forgetting about Hillary Clinton for a moment, do we really want a system of laws in this country that treats the powerful, the politicians, the connected, differently than we would treat everyone else? And I think that that is the enduring uh, virtue that we can bring to this process with transparency and by pointing out this double standard. Why has there been this mysterious reluctance and resistance among some of the leadership in the House and Senate to even ask these questions, delve into these issues, when, as you rightly described, there's so much at stake as it relates to equal justice under the law. We need more Republicans in particular to to join our cause, to join Jim Jordan and Ron DeSantis and myself and, and 20 members of the Judiciary Committee who have demanded a special counsel for four months now to look into these matters relating to Hillary Clinton. And I think that there are establishment Democrats and establishment Republicans who just think that it's untawdry to be critical of the Clintons anymore, that, you know, well, they lost and they're really the past and we shouldn't really focus on these things. And it's kind of the country club Republicans that feel that way. And my assessment is that the rule of law matters every day to every American. And we all need to be joined to ensure that this doesn't happen again. Have you have any discussions with leadership like Ryan or McCarthy or any of these guys? 
I have. I stood up at conference and I said, we have legislation that, that, that puts the House of Representatives on record calling for a special counsel. It could be put on the floor any day. It has been passed out of the Judiciary Committee already as, a, as an amendment, and we could have it on the floor. And I asked the Speaker and I asked the leader to put it on the floor, and they very politely nodded when I made my request. But they didn't do it. Did not. All right, got to take a break. We will come back. We'll continue with Matt Gates. He is a Florida congressman digging deep now into the things that we have been discussing. As I've been telling you, it's now beginning to cascade down, and it's going to happen very, very fast, probably as soon as next week. As we continue with Matt Gates, he is a congressman from the state of Florida. All these now Hillary controversies that we have been staying on and keeping alive now coming to fruition. We've not been on the wrong course. We've been on the right course. So let's talk about what you think is coming out next week. I know you remain troubled regarding the FBI's treatment of the president, both before and after his election. Do you feel that there has been an illegal, unwarranted, let's say, surveillance of President Trump? And is it possible the Fusion GPS dossier, which has been proven false with their salacious material, was used as a method of getting a FISA warrant or any other warrant? Well, Jim Jordan and Ron DeSantis and I asked that question directly to Jeff Sessions. We said, did, did the FBI work in concert or commingle funds or provide a reimbursement with the Democratic Party for opposition research that was then used as a basis to spy on Americans? And the answer was, we can't tell you. That is unacceptable, Sean. The American people have a right to know whether their tax dollars were used both before and after this election to undermine President Trump. And I do not accept that that's information that the deep state can keep from the American people. Next week, my expectation is we may have Christopher Wray before the Judiciary Committee. We'll have the opportunity to ask the FBI these questions directly. And here's the hint I can give you as to what I think may be coming next week. The FBI released these emails about Deputy Director McCabe on purpose. These weren't leaks. They released it on purpose. And so what motivation would Christopher Ray have to out these improper admissions by the FBI? I think Christopher Ray wants to clean house. I think he wants to be a good FBI director and execute the Trump agenda. And we may, may see some real action next week toward that end. That's going to be fascinating to watch in every aspect of this. So you think this was done on purpose as a preemptive measure in the hopes of cleaning up the FBI. I want to ask you about Jeff Sessions. Uh, real quick before I have to let you go. Look, I've known Jeff Sessions for years. I've always, I've always been a fan of his, and I am beyond puzzled at what the heck he's doing over there as the attorney general. He was a phenomenal U.S. senator as attorney general on free speech issues, on immigration issues. He's done a great job. But there is something about uh, the Clintons, about the Russia investigation, where we've needed Jeff Sessions to show leadership, and he's been very reticent to show that leadership. I mean, with all of the facts that you've detailed on your show, with all of the facts that we've seen in documents from the FBI, why in the world do we not have a special counsel investigating Hillary Clinton? There is way more evidence for her collusion with foreign entities than there is with 
Donald Trump, but yet we, we subject Donald Trump to this just egregious standard of scrutiny that we would that the Clintons have never faced. And so I'm frustrated with Jeff Sessions, and, and Jim Jordan and I have said very clearly, Jeff Sessions needs to appoint a special counsel to look into these matters with Hillary Clinton, or he needs to step aside as the attorney general so that we can find somebody who will really enforce the rule of law. I totally agree with all of that. Really appreciate you being with us. 800-941-SEAN is our number. I'm Melanie Morgan. I'm here today to demand that Senator Crankin resign. I have brought to Washington some of the victims of Bill Clinton's harassment, as you can see, Kathleen Willey, Juanita Broderick, and Leslie Milwee, who is joining us as well. And we are here to demand that both Senator Conyers, or Senator Franken and uh, Congressman Conyers resign their position. Does he remember me, first of all? I'm the one who was harassed by him 17 years ago on Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher. He has never even referred to me, let alone apologized to me, let alone any of these other women like Leanne Tweeden and others. So this is what we're here to do today. Let's see what happens. Senator Franken, come on out! Come on out and talk to us. Don't be a coward. Speak to us. We have something to say to you. I think you should have something to say to us. So he's not available right now, but would be happy to take the message and pass it along. He harassed me and stalked me 17 years ago. And I'd like for you to know that I demand an apology, but more importantly, I'll, t- I'll, s- I'll pass on the apology if he resigns. He needs to leave office right now. He and Congressman Conyers both. Al Franken was confronted earlier today at his office by Melanie Morgan, Juanita Broderick, Kathleen Willey, uh, Leslie uh, Milwee was also there. And uh, as you can hear, that he wouldn't come out of his office and talk to the women uh, who now all join us uh, on our newsmaker lines. Uh, Welcome all of you back to the program. Melanie, let me start with you. Uh, Let's talk about, from your perspective, why it was important. I mean, you talked about the stalking incident with you. We saw the pictures with Leanne Tweeden. He's apologized. He's actually acknowledged a lot of it, but not all of it. What are your thoughts? It's not good enough. It's not nearly good enough, Sean. That's why we had a news conference in Washington, D.C., a national news conference to call on him for his resignation in addition to Congressman Conyers. And then we went over to the the, uh, Capitol and we demanded, we demanded, to be heard by Senator Franken, who cowered in his own office. He refused to come out to meet us, to speak to us or talk to us. And it was it was unbelievable to me. I mean, after 17 years, um, apparently he has nothing to say to us. These half apologies and non-apologies, unacceptable. Let me go to Juanita. Juanita, I've known you and Kathleen in particular a long time and you know, it's been very interesting to watch all of these stories unfold. And, and after Lisa Myers, I was the second person that went to interview you. And I remember one, yes. of the, one of the first things that people would ask me when I came back is, do I believe you? And uh, like Lisa Myers, I think, had communicated to you, you're too believable. And I just knew in my heart at the time, I remember this, it was a very hard interview for me to do. When I went down to oh, Arkansas, I know, Sean. <laughs> and, I could tell. You know, I made. I made. You know, all my life, I've said to myself, for good or for better or worse, that I was never going to cry on air. And I remember doing the interview with you, and literally biting hard the inside of my cheek because it was so painful to hear what you had gone through. Oh yeah, and it's still painful to me. I know. You know, to I even know. relate it and talk about it. You know. 
30 years the Clintons were protected, though. And I noticed that some people are now saying, oh, oh we should, they're now coming out. The day of reckoning for the Clintons have come. And to me, that's like, well, after Paula, after you, after Kathleen, after a bunch of other people, I'm thinking it's a little too little too late. What are your thoughts? Because now the Clintons don't have power. Oh, that's exactly it. If Hillary Clinton had been elected, Sean, you and I both know that these sudden revelations would never have occurred. They would not have given us the time of day. But as the Clintons' powers, you know, goes away and diminishes, they feel safe to come out. Yeah. I did notice an exchange that went on, and I even talked about it on air, between you and What's her name? Chelsea uh, Handler. And yes. and she she then apologized to you and you accepted yeah. her apology. Well, you know, and and I and I did accept her apology, Sean, but I still do not understand how she had never known about me. Yeah, I mean, that, that is a good point. Right. I just I didn't I did not understand that. And the same with Anna Navarro. Oh I, oh, I didn't know Anna Navarro had done that. But you were... Oh, yeah, she apologized. You too, told the right. story of being brutally raped by Bill Clinton. Right. And then all these years, every you got smeared and slandered by the Clinton machine, didn't you? Oh, yes, yes. People would laugh about me. You know how they laughed about... Trump will never be president. Yeah. When my name was brought up, they would laugh and they and and deny everything that I was trying to say. Uh, they ridiculed me, Sean, to no end. And even up to and including last year, when you showed up at the second debate and I interviewed you and Paula and Kathleen, it even happened through then, right? Oh, yes. Well, it had sort of died down a little bit. But when we went to that debate, my God, did it come on again? Well, we know we know why they're coming back out again. But that 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 wasn't it. Uh, that wasn't it. This man, President Trump, gave us the opportunity to speak when we had been not been denied that for two decades. Let me go to Leslie. Leslie, it's great to talk to you again. You were sexually assaulted by Bill Clinton twice in 1980. You that you're a local TV reporter. Yes, he actually, what I would call sexually assaulted me on three occasions. One time it was more groping and uh, that. And then the second and third time it was very, very aggressive uh, to the point that I would consider it truly sexual assault. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel bad so much that I didn't support Juanita and Kathleen and everyone in the 90s. I had really small children, and I was truly afraid of the Clinton machine. And now I'm I'm really happy that I've come forward and told this story because millennials need to hear this, too. You know, it's funny you say that because there are so many people I'm finding out. I mean, I lived through these years. I was on radio and TV all these years. And to me, it's like, you know, fresh and etched into my memory. And for some young people, they don't even know they don't know this story. When you put the atmosphere that's out there now and you look at the left and their reaction to some of the different allegations and, and frankly, admissions that have come out and you compare it to how Democrats for 30 years circled the wagons for the Clintons. 
it seems to me that 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 is the just the definition of being disingenuous. And this is selective moral outrage, and it has really nothing to do with women's rights. It has everything to do with politics, and you get a pass if you're a liberal. That's exactly right. Yeah, Juanita, you, I mean, and that's the whole thing. What do we do? And, and by the way, Leslie, what happened to your career as a result of when you finally talked and sp- when you spoke out and finally spoke about this? Well, I... It changed the course of my life. I gave up my job as a reporter there in Arkansas um, at at the behest, really, of my family and my grandmother when he came and knocked on my door one night to try to get into my home. Um, I was terrified. I quit my job the next day, and I'm now in a completely different field. That's... And it's great. I'm not complaining. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a survivor, not a victim. But, yes, I want people to understand how... Amazingly, this man has gotten by with this for all these many years. And let me go back, you know, Sean. Yeah, this, Melanie. Go ahead. This is this is why I wanted to square the circle today. Um, in order to understand sexual harassment and sexual assault in 2017, we have to look back to 1998 to what happened to Broad, uh, Juanita Broderick, to Leslie Milwee, to Kathleen Willey, and the dozens of other women whose names have been associated with Bill Clinton. If we don't understand what happened and what sexual assault looks like and what sexual harassment looks like, how are we going to clean the house today? And by the house, I mean Congressman Conyers, Captain Underpants, who thinks it's perfectly appropriate to run around um, his office uh, in his tidy whities in front of his all-female staff. I mean, this is what all the reports are. How are we going to... Get somebody like Al Franken, who has been, you know, involved in groping and who has photographic evidence of what happened with and all these women whose stories have been uh, discredited by liberal feminist icons like Nancy Pelosi and some of these other women who supposedly represent all of women. Well, what they represent is a war on women and in particular the victims of Democratic aggressors. And that's why we wanted to go public today. What do we do? Like in the case of Al Franken, we have a, 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 a picture and we all know Leanne Tweeden and Leanne Tweeden's asleep. And then we got other pictures of him grabbing Ariana Huffington, although she says it's OK. I guess she just supports his politics. And and the same with Joy Behar. But you got evidence. And Leanne tweeted, I knew about that picture for years. And Leanne asked me never to talk about it. And I never did. But I've known about it for a long time. What do you do when there's no evidence and it's it's one person's word against the other? Because in the case of Conyers, when he denies it, I feel I'm being consistent when I say, okay, everybody deserves a presumption of innocence. But these charges are so serious, we need to find the truth. Melanie, I'll start with you. You've been very, very consistent, uh, Sean, from the beginning on on, uh, whether it was Judge Roy Moore or whether it is Al Franken or John Conyers or anybody else. You have to look at the totality of the allegations. You have to look at the veracity and the history of the people who are making them. I can't speak for any other woman other than myself, and I know my story is a true story. I have spoken to Juanita. I have lived this story of what the Clintons had done 
since 1998. I've spoken about it every single day. But when I sat down last night at the dinner table to hear all these women who are so incredibly brave and smart and wonderful and what they went through. And as they told, I felt like it was a Rosa Parks moment. I mean, really, this is a shattering now with a with firing of Matt Lauer and Garrison Keeler and all these others. All these people in private industry are getting fired as these allegations become public. But it is the people's representative. Who are well, we paid it. We paid millions out. Well, we paid for their non-disclosure agreements. We paid for their settlement agreements. And my attitude is, it's your problem, not the taxpayers' problem. You pay, and that's up to you. If you want to pay, you can't use our money and then get anonymity. You want to pay for whatever deal you want to make, then you pay for it. All right, as we continue, uh, earlier today, Al Franken's uh, office was confronted by Melanie Morgan. She, of course, along with Leanne Tweeden, has chronicled what, in fact, Franken did to her by stalking her for a long period of time, and she had to threaten the police to get it to end. Juanita Broderick, we all know her story well, uh, told me her story years ago about being raped by Bill Clinton. And Leslie Milwee is back with us, and she was a local TV reporter in Arkansas, sexually assaulted by Bill Clinton twice in 1980. Juanita, let me ask you the same question I was asking Melanie Morgan, is, you know, what do you do in the cases where somebody says it didn't happen, and then somebody says it did happen? Oh, goodness, Sean. That's, that's a hard one. You just have to follow the trail, and you have mm-hmm. to see if there's any credible witnesses. You have to see if there's any physical evidence. And you have to trust who these ladies are, who they have been, and who the accused is. Other than that, it's just an investigative process. And by that the way, when, when, you're, when you came public, and I had the second interview... You were getting trashed publicly, and a lot of people in the media never took the time to call you or reach out to you, did they? No, no, no. But but they had plenty to say without talking to me, and it was horrible, Sean. It was just horrible. You know, it is interesting because as I've interviewed all of you, and, and Kathleen is not with us today, and Paula Jones is not with us today, it's an amazing, you know, gut feeling. I've been in radio now 30 years, Leslie. And I know you probably, as a reporter, you felt the same thing. There, there came a point, there came a time where you really could tell sincerity and a lack of sincerity. Do you feel that in your career? Oh, absolutely. And um, taking it a step further from what Juanita was saying about, um, you know, he said, she said, um, the, the track record's there. I told my husband, you know, about this. I met my husband shortly after this happened, and I... You know, my immediate family and my husband and a few other people, you know, knew early on. And I always, you know, I asked my husband, should I talk about this? Should I come out and and tell everyone? And he said, you know what, you'll know when it's the right time. And it's the right time now. I think things are breaking open. It's time that women came forward. I was fortunate that I kept some things that, um, like Bill Clinton wrote on top of my name, uh, Clinton, Mm-hmm. And said to me, um, you know, I just wanted to show you how good Clinton looks on top of Leslie on my notebook. You know, and things like that. People don't understand, you know, this was a constant harassment that I had to endure for months and months and months. And I'm so glad that I've come forward. And I know he'll never admit it, just like I, I think Franken won't and Conyers and many of these men. But it's so good. It, just like Juanita said, you know, look at the facts. Look at how we've lived our lives, what's happened 
um, you tell me what do you think is correct. It's well, a no-brainer. Listen, I, I appreciate all of you coming on. I know it's hard to, to relive these moments in your life and to talk about them. Um, if one good thing comes out of all of this, maybe, you know, this systemic, this systematic, this, uh, you know, this, this this trend is unbelievable. And I think your voices will probably help many women in the future, which would which would be a great thing for everybody. And I thank you all for being with us. And uh, I think we'll see some of you on TV tonight uh, on Hannity. Thank you for being with us. Thanks, hey, thanks, thank John. you. The Handman is back on the radio right now. You co-hosted the Today Show with Matt Lauer for 15 years. What is Matt's most annoying habit? <laughs> mm. He pinches me on the ass a lot. Wow. Just moments ago, NBC News Chairman Andy Lack sent the following note to our organization. Dear colleagues, on Monday night, we received a detailed complaint from a colleague about inappropriate sexual behavior in the workplace by Matt Lauer. It represented, after serious review, a clear violation of our company's standards. As a result, we have decided to terminate his employment. While it is the first complaint about his behavior in the over 20 years he has been at NBC News, we were also presented with reason to believe this may not have been an isolated incident. Our highest priority is to create a workplace environment where everyone feels safe and protected and to ensure that any actions that run counter to our core values are met with consequences no matter who the offender. We are deeply saddened by this turn of events, but we will face it together as a news organization and do it in as transparent a manner as we can. That is the statement from our chairman, Andy Lack, and we just learned this moments ago, just this morning. As I'm sure you can imagine, we are devastated and we are still processing all of this. And I will tell you right now, we do not know more than what I just shared with you. But we will be covering this story as reporters, as journalists. I'm sure we will be learning more details in the hours and days to come. And we promise we will share that with you. Mm -hmm. And Hoda, I mean, you know, for the moment, all we can say is that we are heartbroken. I'm heartbroken for Matt. He is my dear, dear friend and my partner, and he is beloved by many, many people here. And I'm heartbroken for the brave colleague who came forward to tell her story and any other women who have their own stories to tell. Mm-hmm. And we are grappling with a dilemma that so many people have faced these past few weeks. How do you reconcile your love for someone with the revelation that they have behaved badly? Mm-hmm. And I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that this reckoning that so many organizations have been going through is important. It's long overdue. And it must result in workplaces where all women, all people mm-hmm. feel safe and respected. As painful as it is this moment in our culture and this change had to happen. Yeah, it did. This is a a very tough morning for both of us. Um, I've known Matt for 15 years, and I've loved him as a friend and as a colleague. And again, just like you were saying, Savannah, it's hard to reconcile what we are hearing with the man who we know, who walks in this uh, building every single day. We were both woken up with the news kind of pre-dawn, and we're trying to process it and trying to make sense of it, and it'll take some time for that. Yeah, we're processing it with all of you at home. Mm -hmm. And we promise to be transparent and be straightforward and continue this important conversation. All right, that from the Today Show earlier today, 24 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. As this news continues to come in, in terms of media figures, you know, the liberal lion, Charlie Rose, 
Garrison Keeler, who was the NPR host of uh, Prairie Home Companion, which I got to be honest, was a great show on radio for years. An incredible radio talent, although a huge, massive lib. Uh, But anyway, hours after Matt Lauer was fired, and again, the allegations here of actual sexual assault, um, no details yet coming in. But anyway, we have another marquee star, major lib TV radio network, has now terminated Gallison Keeler for, quote, improper behavior. And uh, it was confirmed on Wednesday that he was fired by his longtime broadcast home, Minnesota Public Radio. And after confirming the news in an email to the AP, Keeler issued a statement saying that he was terminated over a story that I think is more interesting and more complicated than the version NPR heard. He didn't elaborate on that. NPR issued a statement on their website announcing it would end its business relationship with Keeler's media company effective immediately. And that includes ending distribution and broadcast of the Writer's Almanac, a daily syndicated program, in addition to the best of a Prairie Home Companion. By the way, he started that, and the inception of that was 1974. Then on top of that, we have other news. We have the NPR chief news editor, David Sweeney, now has left the company following allegations of sexual harassment filed against him by at least three female journalists. And David Sweeney is no longer on staff. Acting senior vice president Chris Turpin said in an email to staff, this is a difficult time for our newsroom. I'm committed to supporting all of you as we move forward. And the complaints against Sweeney were filed after NPR's senior vice president of news and editorial director was forced to resign on November 1st over sexual misconduct allegations. Here to help sort through this media mess is uh, Joe Concha. He writes for The Hill and uh, is often a frequent uh, makes frequent appearances on the Fox News Channel. How are you? You want me to unpack all that? My hair hurts, my friend. Well, you want I to mean, start with is... a picture of me on Time Magazine. You can do whatever you want. But, I mean, this <laughs> I think the world was teeth. stunned this morning. I mean, Matt Lauer, I'm told, got paid as much as $25 million a year. He was the franchise at the Today Show. So whatever Variety happened there. Re- yeah, Variety actually reports $28 million. $28 million a year. It's a lot I of money. paid in broadcast media. Garrison Keillor saying, hey, wait a minute, this may not have happened the way NPR was told, but he's already been found guilty. In other words, I don't know how you litigate this stuff. Like with Harvey Weinstein, it's easy, right, because there's, there's actual audio of, of him, you know, in an NYPD undercover uh, operation. That's fine. And Kevin Spacey basically said, I was drunk. I really don't remember. Okay, yeah, that, that, that means that probably happened. So there are easy ones to litigate, and then there are ones where you're like, well, wait a minute. I don't know if this happened or not. Now, now with Lauer... Uh, you know, a lot of media outlets were, were working on this, and, and I've been, you know, I, I was late to the party, but I, I heard about this in earnest on Monday uh, that, that this involved. I, I heard about women. relationships. I'd never heard about assault. No, assault I didn't. Harassment I had heard about. The assault that, that may have happened allegedly in Rio during those Olympics, uh, and Sochi I think was brought up as well in other Olympics, that, that's different altogether. So NBC was pretty definitive in firing him. It wasn't like we're going to investigate this because they knew that a lot of publications were sniffing around well beyond me uh, that were going to break this, so they decided to break it themselves. But what, what worries me, Sean, to be honest with you, 2018 and 2020, if somebody wants to take – 
a political opponent out and somebody in some back room, a guy behind the guy in some strategy war room, decides to put together an elaborate scheme to have somebody accused of sexual harassment, it seems now that you're guilty until proven innocent in, in the media because so many people are actually guilty that everybody's going to be painted with this broad brush and it's going to be used as a political weapon to take out opponents. And, and that's my fear right now, that we're going down a very slippery slope where we're jumping to conclusions immediately. In other words, you're, you're afraid because of what the atmosphere is but there, there are two different responses every time. One is, I didn't do it, and people fight back. And, and by the way, that would be the case of John Conyers or Roy Moore. And, you know, I have been steadfast in my belief that there should be a presumption of innocence. Like, for example, in the case of Roy Moore, I don't understand. We have, in one case, he says he didn't know a woman. The woman claims, well, look at my yearbook. I've had a 42-year professional handwriting expert on the show that says they could, they could absolutely, if they can get his handwriting from the time with 100% accuracy, they will be able to determine if he wrote that on the yearbook and they'd be able to determine forensically if the ink exists. Why isn't that moving forward? Because that, at that point, would say Roy Moore lied. Didn't he sign something at some point that they could get their hands on? I mean, that's up to Moore to present that, right? I mean, that, no, Well, no, I think, it, but, but remember, they're not making that available to him and his team to have forensically looked at. Right. And, and that, that would certainly help that go a long way. Cause remember Gloria Allred you know, broke out the yearbook and said, see, here's the proof. Well, basically well, that's said. the point. If, if a forensics can prove a case that he's either telling the truth in that instance or lying, I think that benefits the people of Alabama and the fact that they're and not hey, producing it to me. I don't know. I, it makes no sense to me. Let me give props, by the way, to shifting gears for a second to Melissa Francis uh, at, at Fox news, because months and months ago, she said, Everybody's saying that Fox News has a culture problem in this regard, and this is prevalent throughout the industry, and their day of reckoning is going to come. And sure enough, now we see this wasn't a Fox problem. This is a CBS problem. It's an NBC problem. And we do have a pretty good track record here because we don't rush the judgment. I'll never get credit for it. You know, nobody thought Trump could win. Uh, everybody thought that, that George Richard Zimmerman Jewell. was guilty. Richard Jewell case. Uh, then we have the Ferguson case. Then we have the Freddie Gray case. You know, then the vetting of Obama issue. Uh, I think I have a pretty good track record. And, you know, it's amazing. I come under fire for saying I believe in the presumption of innocence. I said that for John Conyers because Conyers well, you denied work in your it. You've got to work in your confidence. You're not, you don't, you don't, you're not touting that enough. That's the problem, Sean. You're such a wise <laughs> ass. All right. Why, why, do I, why do I have you on to abuse me? I, there's no point. I mean, <laughs> Linda works full time. She gets paid to cover. do that. Huh? <laughs> Abuse was that New York Times uh, cover, which which is a shame because you have to admit they did a good job with that piece. I thought it was very fair. You know, look, it's not. I, I wish things that I had actually said. One of the things I said in that piece that I wish was in there. Okay. I act, what I just said to you. I'm often more right than wrong, and that I wait, and that I'm patient, and that I I actually do my own digging. You know, I had a little Twitter fight. What's that guy's name that's on uh, MSNBC? I don't even know the show. The guy that. You know, try to No, I know no, no, Lawrence, the guy at Chris eight. Did, yeah, that one. Chris Hayes. So Chris he Hayes, tweets yeah. out. So well, Hannity talks to uh, Julian and Kim dot com. And I'm like, yeah, I actually Julian Assange would be the one man in the world that knows who uploaded, who gave him the information on the emails. So unlike him, yeah, I called him. I've interviewed him on radio and TV. And I went to London. That's all in pursuit of truth for my audience. WikiLeaks has a pretty, pretty, pretty strong 11, as as 11 years. They've never been that. proven wrong. 11. That's right. 
Well, what do you think of the picture? Really handsome. Uh, the photo? You know, I, I got a lot of feedback on Twitter. People said they liked it, that, that it showed your passion. So it sh- I, I it, think- No, 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 no. They it, wanted to portray me as an angry nut, a conservative nutcase. That, and this is, you know, I showed this last. Did you watch last night's show? I hope so. Of course, yeah. Okay, did you see when I went I back everything. all the way to 1991? That's 26 years ago. And I let a guy in my radio studio in Huntsville, Alabama, take photographs for three hours. And did you see the photo he put in? It was nice. Yeah, that's okay. No, it wasn't nice. It had my face (laughs) contorted, made me look angry. And that's how the liberal media wants to portray conservatives. It is a it's photo bias, if you will. Did you see I heard back in the New York Times? I asked him. I said, well, what, what went into the decision-making process? And their official spokesperson got back to me, and, and he said that you had said in the story that you were mad, and therefore they wanted to uh, portray that. They quoted you as saying you were mad, and they thought that the picture was accurate. You know what? That's you an a- that whole thing is inaccurate, too, because I'm, I'm mad because I see my country disintegrating. You know, I, one of the things I went over again and again that never got put in that piece, you know, what, what, what drives me every day? You know what drives me? I care about people— in the position I was when I was in my late teens and early 20s and mid-20s where I had no money, the forgotten men and women. There are millions of people in poverty on food stamps and out of the labor force, and I want to fix problems. Now, that's what gets me up in the morning. Not, I don't give a flying rip about Matt Lauer leaving the Today Show. That's his problem. Yeah, well, he didn't leave. He, he got fired, and he probably won't ever work again. But I, I, I'll tell you this, though. You're going to see accusations, Sean, because Hill ran a poll a couple of days ago that said that 60% of women say they were sexually harassed in the workplace at some point. You know what that means? That means every day get used to this news coming out from either the political arena, the media arena, or the entertainment arena of somebody big getting accused to the point where there's not going to be too many folks left, it appears. It's nuts. How do we ascertain, and I think the public needs to really wrap their head around this, because there are women that are, are victimized by horrible people. It happens. And you know what? Oh, yeah. They don't deserve to be treated that way. Okay. What, but when an allegation is made, that's not definitive. How, do, how does the average person sort through all of this and get to truth? I wish I could say the media would, would dig and do the right things and, and not just run with allegations and convict that person as guilty in the court of public opinion. Uh, but that doesn't appear to be the way things are working. So I, I, the answer is, I'll be totally transparent, I don't know. I don't know what you do in this situation if you're accused. And if you don't have the means and the, and the money to, to fight back, uh, you're screwed. You're screwed, unfortunately. And most women are telling the truth. Let me be clear about that. But there are going to be exceptions. And, and again, I think that in the well, political I arena, ask this you is going to be weaponized. You're out of time. Get lost. No, I'm kidding. All right. Thank you, Joe Concha from the Hill. We appreciate it. All right. Hannity tonight, uh, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Matt Lauer is out. Garrison Keeler is out. Multiple firings at NPR. What's going on? Also, the president tweets out some radical Islamic terrorists and people say, well, look at who he retweeted. We'll discuss that and we'll point out a media hypocrisy on so many levels. And of course, we have the latest on the president's push to get the Senate to finally do something, and so much more. we got a big show tonight. Set your DVR, 9 Eastern, on the Fox News Channel. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you tonight at 9, back here tomorrow. Hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. 
Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere. And it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns. And you can pick one up for three to 400 bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's henryusa.com. Free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, they have supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. Now, Mayo served our nation for over seven years before he was catastrophically injured during training. Now, he was left paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Now, Tunnel to Towers paid for Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, and that removed that financial burden from him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his very specific needs and injuries. And Tunnel to Towers has already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. They can only do it with your generosity. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget. We hope you'll join all of us here at Team Hannity. Go to their website, commit to $11 a month. Go to the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org. The letter T, the number two, the letter T.org for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Hey, warmer days remind us of fond summer memories. Now you can make those moments year-round with the Michael Phelps Swim Spa by our friends at Master Spas, and that combines the leisure of a hot tub with the exercise benefits of a pool. Now Master Spas technology is incredible with LED lighting, beautiful waterfalls, and those super powerful water jets installed in just one day. You're going to love it. Proudly made in America. Use the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner. That's masterspas.com for up to $1,000 off. You can exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand I trust, masterspas.com. 